Welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team. And as we open today, I'm wondering if you ever thought about changing your employee recruiting strategy to focus first on repelling the wrong candidates and then compelling the right ones. One of the biggest challenges I hear from our clients and business leaders around the country is that they cannot find the right people or enough people. And what if one of the contributing problems to finding the right people is that you don't have an employer brand to communicate to potential new hires, new leaders, or new franchisees what is important to you and your company? Well, our guest today is Brian Adams, who shares with us the details on what an employer brand is and how to create one that compels and repels the right potential new hires. Brian is the CEO and founder of PH Creative, which is recognized as one of the leading employer brand agencies in the world. PH Creative specializes in building world-class employer brand and talent engagement strategy for companies such as Apple, American Airlines, British Telecom, and Virgin. Brian is a specialist speaker and a two-time best-selling author of the books Getting Goosebumps, released in 2015, and Give and Get Employer Branding in 2020. You're going to love this interview, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Thanks for having me on. I'm Brian Adams. I'm CEO and founder of PH Creative, which is a, an employer branding agency. That's something I was very interested in talking about, is this employer branding idea and concept. It's a new term, a new phrase to me. So it's one of the things I wanted to have you on to talk about. So what is it, if you wouldn't mind? Yeah, sure. So essentially, in a world where people are the only competitive advantage left in in business, employer branding is branding your organization to, to get a reputation as an employer in order to attract and retain the talent you need. And when you talk about attracting that talent that you need differentiation as a key component of getting the right talent on your team, one of the things that stood out in preparation for the interview is going beyond just the best places to work award or something like that, right? So would you mind talking a little bit about that? And maybe that's a great segue as well in terms of moving into discussion on your book you've recently written as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've we've been through the age of lifting and shifting marketing techniques into HR. Employer brand has been born and well-versed for over 10 years now. But what we've found is, obviously, you can advertise a product and whoever's, whoever can afford the product can, can buy it. So it's the come, come one, come all. But when it comes to employment, you advertise for, for jobs, you might get hundreds, tens, thousands of, of applicants, but actually you can only place one person in, in each role. So there's a significant difference there. So what we found is rather than just trying to set out to be the most attractive organization or the best employer or you know something intangible, what the talent audience wants is more specificity around What's it like? What's it really like? What's the culture? How will I find purpose, impact, and, and belonging? And do I have what it takes to thrive? So employer branding is there to be a, a smart filter so people can make better choices and hopefully 
we can match great talent with great organizations and together it creates a thriving culture. So, you know, that's that was the, the principle for our, for our book is to face into the fact that the conventional employer branding techniques aren't optimized. You know, not everything from a, a world of marketing and advertising translates directly. Very interesting. So one question that comes to mind and thinking about this is, how do you blend, align, whatever the right phrase or term might be, thinking about employee compensation, company reputation you talked about, company culture, all of these things that kind of converge together into here. We talked through how that all works and fits together. Yeah, great question, Tom. So essentially, if you look at what talent wants and what a business needs, you know the, the value is in the overlap of those two things. 99 percent of success for employer branding comes from aligning with the organization, understanding the direction of travel of the organization. And the goal is to differentiate yourself with a talent audience and also be the most relevant to your talent audience over and above your competitors. So the the principle that we call give and get, give and get employer branding is based on a two-way value exchange. So as an employee, what do I have to give in order to thrive and be of value to the organization? And what do I want in return? Is it compensation? Is it work-life balance? Is it freedom and autonomy? Is it career progression? So understanding your talent audience, what they, what they want, and then understanding the capabilities required to move the organization forward gives you all of the ingredients to build a fair and equitable proposition that your talent audience can make great decisions with and you can drive an organization forward with as well. Talk through maybe how you go about figuring out what you're going to give and then also what as an organization you're looking to get in return for that. Essentially, Tom, what we're talking about is a, is a, a story structure that lays out the, you know, the inputs and the outputs and why it's all worthwhile for, for both parties. You know, so when we're constructing an employer brand, There's three main layers to the strategy. There's the reputational aspect, so understanding how the organization needs to be positioned and what they want to be known for in order to attract the right talent. And then the middle layer is the proposition, so laying out and setting expectations, essentially. And that might be something like, you know, like we work with a lot of tech companies, so I'll use the biggest tech company on the planet as an example There's no work-life balance. You will be held to a high standard relentlessly. You will be on call and required to do your best work at all times. You will be pushed to deliver faster, better, smarter than you've ever done before. The flip side to that is you get to see your work in the hands of millions of people every day. You really do find out what you're capable of and your true potential. You work with some of the most creative, inventive, intelligent people on the planet, and you galvanize around a purpose that that really does set out to change the world. So that's a good example of a proposition that's not for everybody. That might actually repel more people than it compels. But for those people who have a passion or an obsession for that type of environment, they might find their meaning in life, they might find a real sense of purpose, impact, and belonging. And that's that's what we're trying to get to. Interesting. So you mentioned those words, compel and repel. I like that they rhyme. It makes it real easy to remember. 
So compelling is easy. It's kind of convincing or presenting a reason why they should come in. But talk about this idea of repelling and being a repellent. One of the best questions I really love to ask an organization when we do workshops or where we're doing research is, if it was your job to dissuade somebody from joining your organization and you couldn't lie, what would you say? And typically, that's a really good way to get to the root of the biggest harsh realities or adversities that exist inside an organization. Now, convention would tell us to sweep that under the carpet, and we just want to brag and talk about the strengths, benefits, and opportunities. But by facing into some of the biggest challenges that you find in an organization, you're doing a number of things. One, you're putting that into context. So you can then immediately understand, well, if you've got to put up with that or navigate around something or, or face into a challenge, why, why do you stay? Why does that bring meaning? The second thing is usually that's the quickest route to understanding the most authentic source of pride and passion. Because if you have what it takes to thrive in an organization that is relentless and fast-paced and demands high standards, there's a certain amount of pride that comes with that if, if you've got what it takes. And convention will tell us, well, look, let's just talk about the benefits, the compensation and the, the sort of the brighter side of the employment. But ask actually the biggest question that candidates want answered is, do I have what it takes to thrive? You know, this is why Glassdoor is worth over a billion dollars. People want to know the truth. And if a brand includes that value in their proposition, then you get to influence the narrative and put those challenges into context. And in a world where more and more people are more cynical about brand and companies, it's a refreshingly different point of view if you can present the reality and balance it with, with why people find purpose, impact, and belonging in the process. So, so that's, that's it sounds like a a sort of misconception and it, it sounds controversial, but actually it just leans into a human truth and gives the audience the, the information that they're looking for. You used the word truth that really resonated. It's being just very truthful with these potential candidates or applicants that are looking to join your organization about what they can expect. Most people recognize it's not going to be sunny skies all the time. They understand there are going to be hard times. There will be hard times. And so they want to know what that is. I think that's such a fantastic point in discussion. And one question I wanted to make sure we ask you here is just some big misconceptions or common pitfalls that you see employers or companies go through when they're trying to go through this branding strategy. The biggest one is given that I've just talked about being truthful and well-rounded about the adversities and harsh realities, the biggest misconception is the employer brand, in order to be authentic, it has to be a snapshot of the reality of the organization today. And actually, a good employer brand, a world-class employer brand, will paint a picture, a true picture of reality, but it will include the aspirational version of where the organization is going what it hopes to achieve in the future, and the impact that might have on the world, teams within the organization and individuals. And if it's, if it's done right, it will be a sharp tool to point the culture of the organization in the direction of travel of the business. And only that way will you get true buy-in from the leaders of an organization who are paid and focus all of their time on the future of the company, not the present moment. So. 
in order to be authentic, it doesn't mean it can't be aspirational and inspirational as well. It needs to include both elements. Very interesting. Well, Brian, this is a great time in the show to just make a transition where we like to ask every guest before they go the same four questions. And the first question we like to ask is, have you had a miss in your career or on your journey and something you learned from it? The biggest miss in my journey, in my career, so PH Creative is, is coming up to 19 years old. And I think if I went out of business tomorrow, I could replicate the success that I've got right now in three years or less because I've got the benefit of experience and, and thinking bigger and knowing what's possible. And the big miss for me as early on in my career is not thinking big enough and not thinking that I could work with some of the biggest brands in the world and charge the fees that we now charge and, and so on and so forth. So it really is the biggest miss has been limiting beliefs that have made my career 19 years instead of instead of three or four. Well, let's look at the other side. Let's talk about a make or two. A good few years ago now, but it's a pivotal moment in my entrepreneurial career. We actually nearly went out of business because I had a debilitating fear of public speaking. And I was turning down opportunities to address rooms full of qualified buyers. And instead of instead of just giving into that fear, I did something about it. I did a stand-up comedy course. And it was the most terrifying six weeks of my life. I lost about 18 pounds in weight through sheer fear and terror. Um, but by facing into that fear, I came off that stage. I had to graduate by performing 15 minutes of stand-up comedy to a, a live audience at a, a comedy festival. And it was life-changing. So the win for me there is I faced into a fear head-on, overcame that fear, and it, it was a, a life-changing moment. And, and I, I can track the success and growth of my business from 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 that moment on. Well, just curious, did you do any continuation with stand-up comedy? Did you <laughs> did you pick up a new hobby too? I did do a little bit. I've got to confess, I'm not the greatest stand-up comedian in the world, but it opened up a lot more doors. It gave me confidence and a few more skills just from, from a personal perspective. But from a networking point of view and influencing others and storytelling point of view, it really added a number of dimensions to my entrepreneurial journey. Let's talk about a multiplier to help grow your business or yourself personally. Would you mind sharing something that you've done? In the last few years, I've got a little bit more intentional around routine, optimizing health and focusing, making sure that I've got time in my day to do deep work when I'm working optimally. I think that's that's been huge for me. I do a lot of travel, transatlantic travel every month. You know, so that's that's super important from an energy point of view. And then over the last few years, over-investing on great people, paying a little bit more and making sure that you surround yourself with fantastic people. And then the final thing I'll say is I've really started to create a multiplier effect by having a streamlined, more simple business strategy with just two or three things that we focus on that stack and add value to each other. So simplification and multiplication of the three strategic focuses of the business. Well, Brian, the final question we like to ask every guest is, what does success mean to you? Wow, what a big question. I guess when it comes down to it, for me, it comes down to having choice, having freedom to make the decisions that you want to make, putting my family and lifestyle first, and being able to follow a passion that I get paid for. 
you know, and that's that old adage of find something you love and never work a day in your life. I can't claim that's always true, but I, I am passionate about what, what I do. I'm really, really grateful for that. So I, I, I guess that's success to me. Before we go, Brian, is there anything you were hoping to share or maybe get across that you haven't had a chance to yet? I don't think so. I mean, in terms of releasing and writing the book, that was once a hidden competitive advantage, uh, the philosophy of give and get. Making the strategic decision to write it down and sort of give that away to the world by publishing a book seemed like a big gamble at the time, but actually it opened up a lot of doors and that was a, a secret to our success as well. So if anybody is sat on a winning formula, an approach or IP that they hold dear, consider being generous with it, giving it away to the world and building personal and company brand around it. That's certainly been a, a multiplier for me. Well, and how can people get a copy of your book? And if they're interested in following your formula and picking up on what we've been discussing, getting more detail on it. Yeah, sure. So the book's available in all good bookstores. Amazon is probably the easiest way to get hold of it. If you just search for either give and get or employer branding, it's, it's number one in the list. Brian, thank you so much for a fantastic interview. And let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways. So takeaway number one is when Brian defined employee branding, and he said employee branding is branding an organization to get a reputation as an employer to attract and retain employees. Takeaway number two is he talked about give and get, which is also in reference to his new book. And he talks about this idea of give and get, which is a two-way value exchange. And it says, what does the employee want to give to the organization? Think about that. And what do they want to get for what they want out of the organization? So what is it that they're going to give? And then what do they get? And be thinking about that as you're thinking about employing or hiring new staff to come into your system. And I would also say for our franchise listeners, what are new franchisees thinking about in the same way? How can you give and get? Takeaway number three is how do you create an employee brand? And he said, you want to communicate a few things. He said, number one, communicate what your culture is like, what it is like to work there, and what it takes to succeed to work at your company. And then he also says, how do you blend compensation, culture, and reputation? He said, you need to align the organization and differentiate from your competitors and to be the most relevant to the candidates you're going after. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win is compel and repel people with your employee branding. And I really like this concept. When you compel, you're compelling someone to come in. You're inviting them to come into your organization with the right messaging. And when you repel someone, you also have a duty and responsibility to make it clear what your organization is and is not as an employer. And so when you're repelling someone, you're dissuading them from coming to work at your organization. So you think about that. You take and use this in building out an authentic, true description of what it looks like to work at your company, what someone is successful, as we had talked about before, but also the reality and truth of the hardships and challenges that arise at your organization. Because when you blend both of those, it creates 
an opportunity and showcases what it actually is like to work there. It's that win-win. So that's the episode today, folks. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. And remember, if you or anyone you know might be ready to franchise their business or take their franchise company to the next level, please connect with us at BigSkyFranchiseTeam.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back next week.